Today's episode is brought to you by Stamps.com. If you're looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic, why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking that trip. And you can get the discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Going to the post office instead of using stamps.com is kind of like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Just going up a couple floors? Sure, take the stairs. Walking up 30 flights a day, you could use a break. If you spend more than a few minutes a week dealing with mail and shipping, stamps.com is a lifesaver. You'll save so much time and money, you'll wonder why you didn't start sooner. Save time and money this holiday season with stamps.com. Sign up with promo code POD for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code POD, P-O-D. Lads, we are back. Yep. Happy Wednesday. Oh, happy Happy to everyone who celebrates this out there. Happy Halo Infinite campaign release day to everyone out there. Mike, we're finishing I can't this wait until he gets home. I think he's home because as I um, was... So we were going to record at 5.30, but then like we impromptu did 5. I was playing Halo at 4.47. And uh, I saw him hop online finally, so I think he's about to start playing. So He couldn't wait. He bought an Xbox in New York. Uh, I don't know about that, but he probably—I I wouldn't be surprised if he somehow hooked it up on the pl- on the uh, on the plane. But yeah, no, Halo Infinite's out. So to everyone out there, let's enjoy it because I'm I'm a little bit into it. I'm thinking I'm about to hit the open world part of the game, and it's really really fun. So, so what's early impressions, Adam? What's the early pre-review? They've established, you know, you know, Chief Sig. I okay, it's weird. Sorry, this is hockey, but you know what? They've established sort of. This thing of like, they they're not ignoring what happened in Halo Five, but they're not completely like making the game around it. They're going back to basics. They're not destroying like you know all of what three through four three has done. And at early in the game, there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of mysteries. I'm really eager to see. It plays really well. It's really fun, and it's still as fun beating up on grunts as, as it's always been. So, okay. uh, so far, I'm really really liking it. We'll we'll see as the campaign goes on, but uh, yeah. What's the NHL uh, counterpart to like, you know, we're not ignoring NHL 15, but we're going forward. It's, well, I don't know, because everything after 15 was bad. It's kind of like, what was it? What was a redemption game? Was it NHL like 18 or 19 people kind of liked? I don't I know. So, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give, I'm not going to disrespect Halo and its, its legacy by comparing it to the NHL franchise. I won't do it. I have too much respect for for the grunts and the master chief. I won't do it. You anyway. guys, any of you guys get NHL twenty two? I I never asked that. No, uh, I did not. I have a friend who bought it when it went on sale a couple weeks ago. Not good. 
was the so the frostbite engine did not save it no because they should have gone to the frostbite engine years ago like they're at the it's at the point where it's like they should have done this years ago and it's like cool if maybe like nhl 19 was like or whenever fifa first went to frostbite if they were like yeah we'll also move to frostbite a year later and it had the glitches or whatever that's fine but like now fifa is on a different engine and now we're now getting nhl on the frostbite engine that we could have got years ago so it's just so you're, laziness. you're saying other sports are doing things ahead of the nhl uh, wow that every single way, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> every single way yeah that's that's pretty bad all right let's talk about <laughs> hockey eh? um, yeah. I, can, I could talk about halo and nhl all day but uh, unfortunately that's not what this podcast is about lads um, you know, we, we had a lot, a big focus on Montreal compared to Toronto the last few uh, episodes, and it's, that's all going to change today because, oh boy, we could talk about the Leafs having a pretty fun win over Columbus. We're not going to, though. Absolutely not. Because we are going to focus a lot on that game against the Jets, and my ring light just cut out on me, um, and that's that's embarrassing. Anyway, where do we start here, guys? Where do we start? We can look at Jason Spezza, we can look at Sandine, or do we start with the officiating? Because it really feels like everything would have stayed settled, a nice even line, if Brad Meyer had just done his job. Can, can, I, can I make a suggestion? Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, I think we should start with the suspensions first, whether that's Spezza, Pionk, the Simmons fine, whatever. Because um, the last couple days on Twitter have been an absolute uh hmm, what word should i use without carnival a carnival i I like that word carnival um so and i saw a lot of people saying that you know using the refs it it seems that if we have the discussion about the refs it somehow diminishes the conversation we're having about the suspensions which is very much not true but Mm -hmm. that's fine so i think if it's okay, we should start with the suspensions. And I think the dog agrees. Yeah. It's just every time I start recording, he just knows. <laughs> it's just so knows. frustrating. Yeah. The dog wants to be on the show, Adam. Uh, he does. Well, the other, the Golden Lab's next to me. I'd move my camera to see, but then it might mess up my mic, and we know how sensitive uh, my equipment is. No, he's, he's, he's just being a big baby. Love you, Diesel. But no, it was so... I think where everything really, really started, okay, all right, he's really in the mood today, isn't he, is, or at least the first clip I saw, I completely forgot they were playing. I only tuned in for the third. But the first sort of clip and was a sign to come was Pierre-Luc Dubois. I don't know the word to describe what he was doing to Austin Matthews. but Manhandling. It was, it was almost like a, it, yes, manhandling, just bullying. He was just bullying him. Teabagging him. It was, I heard that reference on SDP and I was like, well, okay, Halo really is back in the, in pop culture. <laughs> it was the throwback of give me your lunch money tactic that you I know, definitely, we've seen in all the shows, all I the cliches. Oh yeah. I definitely teabagged the first major brute that I saw in, in Halo, by the way, because you have to do that. And it was sort of that sign of Matthews, I don't even think really fought back at all. And somehow they both got double minors. It wasn't even the fact of like Matthews gets a minor, even though he shouldn't have, but Dubois got the same. I'm pretty sure it was just four and four, two minutes. He didn't even give him an extra one for, I think it's not a fight, so you can't say instigation, but. You know why? Why? Because he smiled, because Austin Matthews smiled. 
Because he did, was like, yeah. He did like I, the you know like, the grin where like. But that's the thing is like you know oh he's showing personality that's almost as equal as the physical style. Maybe he was laughing. It's like oh, who are you, Pierre Luc Dubois, and Austin Matthews? Maybe I'm just I was just in a mood when I saw the clip, but like I really did wish. And I think it was difficult for him to fight back because, you know, he's behind him and like it's a little difficult to fight back in that position. But like one of these times, I'd really like him to use his like 200 and whatever pound body um, and just ragdoll somebody else because <laughs> it's a little annoying to see it and then get re- like and nothing happen. You're also not technically allowed to wrestle. I don't. I, I must have missed the part of the rules where <laughs> wrestling was allowed, belly no, to belly right. suplexing and whatnot. Right. But I think I think right. Crosby got away with that a couple of weeks ago. But it's just it's such a again. I don't want stars to get special treatment. But what I do want, I think you guys can agree with this, is if you call the game fairly, technically there will be more calls for like in the way of stars because those are the ones with the puck. Those are the ones creating all the play. She you know, uh, the opponents are, are chasing the puck on the stick of Austin Matthews. Of course, there should be more penalties. I'm not saying, oh, God, you got to – I don't want LeBron James, you know, travels whenever he wants in the game. But I just want some sort of – again, we, we keep talking about this. One rule book instead of just this ref wants it this way. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Like consistent accountability yeah. is what I, I'm feeling with that. So correct me if I'm wrong. Pionk didn't get a penalty for the knee on Sandine, right? No. The, which is works. why Tavares and Spezza were screaming on the bench. Yes. And we're don't worry, we are we are going to get to Spezza because I have a <laughs> lot to say about that. And we're we're gonna get to all that kind of stuff. But uh, everything sort of the real matchstick, if Dubois and Matthews was a sign of things to come with the officiating, then the lack of response from the refs when it came to, I think, Pionk kneeing and and injuring Rasmus Sandin, that was sort of the matchstick to maybe players start to realize, okay. Unfortunately, they have to take the game into their hands. But we do know that Rasmus Sandin, thankfully, will only be out two to three weeks. I think the Leafs uh, first sort of came out in that. So that was really good to see because obviously I think it was what had happened to Zach Hyman from Edler last year. And he was out for, was it like four to six weeks? Yeah, something like that. So lower scale for Sandin. But like we can't defend the fact that, and again, we're going to talk about sort of what happened to Pionk and the Spezza stuff. But knee on knees like that, and the player safety videos, I, I think, did a really, really good job of talking about the Pionk stuff. And he got two games, which was not enough. Like, if you hurt a guy two to three weeks, I don't care if you don't have any sort of history. Like, you got to throw the book at him. That's just because, uh, was it Ian Cole? Need yeah. Mark Shifley, and he only got a $5,000 fine, or was just a fine? The Department of Player Safety literally had precedent from, what? The same team... <laughs> The yeah, same the team, team two days ago, literally yeah. a few days ago, and yet they still managed to screw this up. I saw a really good tweet. I'll bring it up later, though, because I think it will recap the entire situation. Yeah. It's not even the fact that I know people sort of say it, it's when I talk about like players enforcing the game, it's not like player rules, right? It's more like at some point as a player, I think you have to realize well, like, you can protect yourself. If one of your young players and saying he's having a great year, is taken out like that. It's just a sort of sign of things to come, isn't it? And mm-hmm. we saw that later in the game against Spezza. I don't believe there was a call on Spezza's knee either. 
So on the bench after that Sandy incident, Alex mentioned the bench are going wild, especially Tavares and Jason Spezza. Now, Jason Spezza, it's, by the way, our luck on this show is the past two shows, we give like great praise to Jason Spezza, great player, all this. And then he goes out and pulls pulls out the flying knee. He pulls out the Kinshasa for any of the wrestling fans out there. Bomb my AD. Now, okay, let's talk about this. Because I have a lot of problems with what people are saying here. And there are there are two two incidents from the playoffs I'm going to reference here. One is Corey Perry and John Tavares. The other is going to be Mark Shifley to Jake Evans. So Spezza gets six games through this. He doesn't have any history in his but like 1,200 games career now, right? Obviously, and then you get some playoffs in there. But what was clear from player safety is they saw Jason Spezza going after the guy in Neil Pionk that had just hurt Rasmus Sandin. Um, he, so Pionk was in a vulnerable place. He was going out onto his knee to make a play with the puck, and he started to fall over. But the course Spezza was on, and this was something that I really, really liked that player safety pulled out of the CBA thing, right? Is that Spezza has to accept the responsibility of his actions there. And as a result, Pionk gets the concussion, apparently, after the game. Now, for those of you saying out there he should have been pulled, he should have been, anyone faking it, concussions are not binary 1-2. It's not every concussion is the same. You might feel fine at first, but you could wake up and be like, oh god, something feels wrong here. Now, obviously, there are people in place, like, you got to make sure if someone's just had a, a massive blow to the head, if, like, you know, they wake them up over the night, like, that type of stuff. Concussions are just not, like, stop acting like doctors, people, please. Like, um, like I, my brother had a bunch of concussions when he played hockey. They were not all the same, okay? So people need to just sort of understand that. Sure, but if they do, if there's a hit to the head... You should be like wall later in that game, need by in the head by Pierre Luc Dubois. A couple games yes. before, Jack Campbell um, was, I uh, man, I don't remember who it was, but again, both of those guys should have been pulled. Was it Felino who hit him? Felino, yeah. Oh, yes. It was Felino because we had that the wild discussion. Game, yeah. Um, Spotters blew. Right. I've been blowing it lately. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So, like, Spotter, like, if you're hit in the head, yeah. You should be pulled off the ice immediately. Like we had, we saw it a few years ago, Brad Marchand, right? Was pulled 20 minutes later. Like he should have been pulled. Yes. Yes. After, or he should have been pulled during intermission. Mm-hmm. Sorry. That's it. No, it's, it's just this thing of like, Hey, I don't, players get mad at it. I remember. I can't remember. The, I, somebody in my head tells me Jonathan Taves as well, that it might've happened to him. And players get mad that they get pulled out of games. If you're a doctor, it doesn't matter. Like your your job is to I know team doctors have that split thing of like you also answer to the team. But if you see and listen, Pionk was was roughed up after that. How the hell did he not was he not just pulled off the ice there and then? Like that seems is like a big on the Jets there. Seems like a very Palmer thing to do though, right? To not to just keep in it, keep him in. Like not saying that like, you know, he's uh He's reckless like that, but it's just something I kind of felt with the Jets is just, you know, we'll, we'll figure this out after. Let's, let's focus on the game. But it's not a team thing, is it? It's a league. They're, they're concussion spotters from the league, are they not? Not 100% on that, to be honest, Alex. But even if they're just within the team, like, right. listen, who's ever in charge of deploying the defense for Winnipeg? You know what? If, 
the thing is, it, it, their headspace, and it's not right, is, okay, they gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. It, it falls on the spotters, ultimately, to not take him out, period. It is, it's, now listen, does it look bad that, like, the coaches would continue to play him? Yes, that looks awful. But if they, if they're told by the medical staff or the spotters, like, ah, they don't think it's anything good to go, then I, I don't know. It kind of puts a coach into a corner a little bit because, okay, well, they're not looking at him. Am I just going to sit shorthanded here? That's obviously not the proper thing you want your player to get looked at, but obviously coaches think very differently. But you're right. It is a very, like, Paul Marie. No, I don't, I'm not going to say that, actually. But you, you know what I mean? It is very – it felt very hockey. Like, yeah. like Greg Gallo, when he got his concussion, he said he felt great. He didn't play, and then he had a concussion. He was out seven days. So going to the suspension itself, and 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 it is getting appealed by Jason Spezza. First, it goes to Gary Batman. If they're not satisfied, they go to an arbitrator. Uh, and thirty-two thoughts. It was joked that okay, well, six games are probably going to go by by the time it happens. I'm going to read you the snippet from thirty-two thoughts because this this really made me mad. The Toronto Maple Leafs are furious at the length of Jason Spezza's suspension. The entire process that Rasmus Sandin was injured on an unpenalized hit by Pionk. They feel Spezza's suspension is non-existent if Pionk is properly penalized in the moment. They have specific beef with the referees that night and have made it clear. The players also don't like the defenseman, that being Leo Pionk, also underrated hard hitter who took a run at Mitch Marner last January. Okay, a big part of that statement that I really don't like is it wouldn't they feel Spetz's suspension is not existent if Pionk's penalized in the moment okay sure he still did it he like there is the video if he meant to or not he hit a player in a vulnerable position and made neon head contact now the reason I earlier referenced um the Corey Perry stuff is in that split moment Corey Perry tried to get out the way now, he still ultimately concussed John Tavares, and, and we know it wasn't on purpose because look at Corey Perry's reaction. And the reason I didn't go to Shifley and Evans is because regardless if Mark Shifley confirms or denies that he was going to concuss Jake Evans, I don't think he meant to, we know for a fact that he changed his course and 100% wanted to at least hit Evans' heart. And I think in that course of action, if, if Spezza probably didn't mean to concuss him, and we know that from that guy's entire history in the league, it is such a like not hilarious. I get Comical. where the Leafs are coming from here, yeah. but it doesn't like he did it. We can't be like circumstantial. Well, if they, no guys, he he did it. Like he he need him in the head, and there is no sort of in between here. Like I, I I get it, and the Brad Meyer history with Toronto, I completely get that, but. Dude, it you can't defend a guy. Oh, you know why we should not give this guy suspension for kneeing someone in the head? Well, I mean, it couldn't have happened if something had gone a certain way. No, it, it happened. Right. What if are you I, talking I, about? If I kill somebody, I, this is a really harsh example. But <laughs> just hear, just hear me out. If I kill somebody, um, and I go, I don't get charged or whatever, and their family member kills me. That doesn't mean that doesn't cancel it out. Like that doesn't mean they're allowed to do that, right? Like they'd still, if they get caught, they will get charged with it. 
Yeah. Uh, like it's a really bad example. I apologize, but like I think <laughs> so it gets my point morbid, across. Yeah. Like I, I think it this. gets my point across. You're playing Halo with you myself sure? and Mike, right? Yeah. And Mike comes and he assassinates you in Halo. Okay. And then let's see on the other side of it, I then assassinate you for revenge on Mike. If I said I wouldn't have taken Alex out if he hadn't, you know, gone out of the mic. It doesn't matter. I still betrayed <laughs> him. I still right. I still did it. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah, yeah it's 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 hilarious. Not again, yeah, like you said, Daniel, it's comical. I just I hate that argument. And I'm not excusing what Pionk did. Neon knees are so gutless. And again, Pionk there's just that sort of he's low key dirty. Like he is. And I'm I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't root for either team. It, it's just everyone, and again, ultimately, does this fall on the refs? Yes, but at the same time, the Jets not pulling Pionk. Um, again, Pionk kneeing and hurting a player, and the Leafs and what happened with, and again, sorry, and then also Dubois just wrestling Austin Matthews, and then Jason Spezza and what he did to Neo Pionk. There's a lack of accountability from every single party involved here. And listen, it starts at the refs. But everyone, and listen, every fan base is guilty, and I know Alex is going to talk about this a little later. Listen, guys, it, it doesn't excuse anything. Like, again, it's the, it's the same principle of, oh, if this didn't happen, if this was happened, there needs to be accountability from every side here. That, that's how I look at it. I, by the way, I think six games is perfectly fair. 100%. Yeah. Pionk was, should have been at least five or six, I think. Spets is six, perfectly fine. And by the way, one more thing. Lemieux should have been more too. Don't compare it. You can't yeah, complain no. about something being too little. And then when something is properly judged, like the right way, Neo concussing a dude, you can't be like, oh, oh, it's a fair judgment. This is outrageous. It is so hypocritical. I'm done. For, for, <laughs> yeah. Uh, from a Leafs perspective, I mean, I wouldn't be upset um, be for those reasons, though. They obviously, I, I think that's a team defending its player. I, I don't know, whatever, but that's besides the point. Like it's, it's comical, right? I would actually be upset with the department of player safety for now, all of a sudden, because this is broadcasted and all, every single fan base is talking about this, mm-hmm. like 32 fan bases are talking about the embarrassment that happened on Sunday night from mm-hmm. everybody. Now you want to hand down the suspect. You want to throw the book. Mm-hmm. No, th- when was, no one, th- they haven't thrown the book. They literally two days later gave Ian Cole $5,000 fine for the exact same freaking thing that Neil Pionk did last weekend. Like it, that's beyond ridiculous. It's like the slew fitting thing is like, okay, so PK's done. It gets a fine. Marshan does it. I'm not, I'm not excusing Brad Marchand, but he gets the three games. Like, where's the consistency here? Again, again, it, it's it's yeah, exactly. It's it's every party involved here is just completely dropping the ball. Just because, like, I, I'm just boggled. Like, why we can't have the conversation about the referees while we're having the conversation about the suspension? Am yeah. I the only one confused at that? Like. I agree with the suspension. I actually thought it could have been more games because what I would have said is I said, okay, hit to the head. We all, we're all in agreement. We don't like hits to the head. Okay. Um, uh, And it was retaliatory. Mm -hmm. And if, and if you want to get rid of retaliatory hits in the NHL, you throw the book every single time. 
Mm-hmm. And they threw the book this time. For the love of God, I really hope they throw the book again. I don't believe they will, but I hope they do. You know what? You, my my least favorite um, sort of call that a ref will make is, you know, if there's a shoving match and one guy delivers a big check and then the second guy gives it back and they only call the second guy for giving it back to him. But in this case, in these suspensions, they still gave suspensions to both parties. You know what I mean? Like it's... It's not like you could probably argue, well, Spezza did this. There's injury here, 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 here. But it's still, it's it's almost like player safety compared to like enforcing the rules on the ice is almost, it, it's still kind of off in some ways. And it's, it, yeah, I, I don't know how, if they thought, no, Ian, I don't know what the difference is with Ian Cole. Maybe it's not the injury part, but but still, it's a knee on knee. I don't, did, Ed, come on me if I'm wrong. Did Edler get a, a suspension? I'm yeah. pretty sure he did. Yeah, he a couple did. games. Yeah, so protect knees and protect. It's just and something else. I just want to say this. Okay. Yeah. Last episode, I talked about perspective, right? With you know, if you were Nick Suzuki and you see a jersey on the ice and you think it's yours, right? I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Jets fans. Everyone, not just Leafs fans. Okay. Put your your shoes of a Jets fan, and you see Jason or how about player X knees one of your players in the head. Okay. You would be pretty cool with six games too. Let's just put it that way, okay? I think it's 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 uh, people just need to sort of get off your high horse a little bit here. But on that note, okay, let's let's step away from the whole. It's just one fan base here, Alex. I know you want to talk oh, about. You're get so oh, man. I I have never been more riled up about something in hockey in my life mm-hmm. since day one of this pod. Like I took it personally yesterday. I was so mad. For whatever reason, um, this idea that one the, that all these fan bases are so high and mighty is just a load of crap. And like, I'm I'm sorry. I listen. I, I'd be the first one to tell you that the the Leaf fans who are saying the horrible things, like, no man, those that those are pieces of crap. Though that's bush league. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say something else, but I had to change it. That is, those are bush league comments. Thinking the voice that is always being fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, do I don't I hate seeing comments where it's like, well, all the fans are like that. Like that's blatantly not true. And the issue, the issue I have, the issue I have, is that every single time, or for the last like forty eight hours, I've gone on Twitter. It's just been nonstop dragging Lee fans through the absolute mud. Maybe that's why I took it personally because like I tweeted, I a hundred percent agree with the suspension. Yep. I think whatever, like I've thrown my thoughts out there. It just hurts. <laughs> that's the way it is. Like, that's why, that's why I took it personally. I'm not as upset about it today, but yesterday I was really pissed because it's like, man, I, and I'm, I, these are just the two examples that popped off up at the top of my head. I'm not calling out fan bases here, but I mean, I saw some pretty damn bad comments in May. Yeah. I saw some pretty yeah. damn bad comments in April after Tom Wilson threw Artemi Panarin to the ground. So let's take a step back. Stop pretending like all of 32 fan bases are just as bad as each other. It's my bias. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Daniel. What I kind of mentioned is like, because every time we look back on this game and we see what's going on, you know, between the two teams, also with Ian Cole right now, it's just. I want to keep saying that, oh, it's on the it's the cherry on top of 
wanting to categorize Leafs fans as the only fans reacting like this way or what the comments have been. And it just keeps piling on. You know what I mean? Like where we look at that game and I don't know, it just, maybe it's just from a Toronto fan as well, but it's just the Logan Stanley celebration. We'll get to that. Yeah. And it's all the fights in that game. Like the Leafs really were top heavy with the amount of guys that they brought in for the fights. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's just, you know, the, when I say tree on top, it's like, it's like you're also feeding, feeding it. It's not something where it's like, we could be consistent with this. It's, it's really funny. I, I just kind of thought of that famous uh, Vancouver uh, Calgary line brawl when I think it was first Bob Hartley threw out all his goons in the starting lineup and Vancouver got it afterwards. I think it's the start. The home team gets it second. And he was like, okay, I guess we're going here. Seeing it was Brad Meyer and people are speculating that's why, in case it got ugly, that um, Kyle Clifford was thrown out there was almost like a sign of, oh, no, here, it's going to be one of those days. It's going to be one of those days. And just quickly, I want to just quickly make a note of um, like the big fan base thing. This was my philosophy, and I've mentioned this to you guys before. What are fan bases that I'm a part of that I see are really big and uh, you know have a bad reputation? Okay, right? I'm a big Star Wars fan. I'm a big Pokemon fan. Now, what those two have in common is they're insanely popular across different age groups. Okay? So the larger the fan base, and if it's it's basic sort of philosophy here. It, not philosophy, but if you have a room full of 100 people, there's going to be an idiot in there. Or just even want to be a bit more polite. There are going to be people who disagree no matter what. Now... Or have a different opinion. The more people you add to that room, the more different opinions you're going to have. Or the more idiots you could also have. I'm not saying just if you disagree on something, you're an idiot. But the more and more people are in that room, the more diversive it's going to get. So when you have a fan base, the market the size of Toronto, naturally, it's going to be the loudest sometimes. You see that with all the big markets in every single sport. Formula One is massive. Formula One Twitter is awful. Listen... (laughs) Pokemon, big fan base. It's awful. Halo, big fan base, different age groups. It's horrible. The, the difference there between all of those in the NHL is all the things you listed are popular worldwide. Pikachu uh, is NHL more is not. Like, like think of it, Pikachu's <laughs> more popular than Sidney Crawford. I'm sad. You, when, you, you, when you say it out loud, it feels much worse than when I just thought of that. Or um, Max Scherzer, who just signed with the Mets, is half of the Leafs salary cap. That's hilarious. <laughs> Brutal. So, okay, so so Logan Stanley, <laughs> this was hilarious. Okay, so the people making banter jokes about this afterwards. So he gets he gets beat up by Wayne Simmons, but it kind of feels like the refs are the stopping in his tracks, right? And he is doing the old, I think it was when he was a ranger, Ty Domi did that. He gets into a fight and he's doing the whole WWE belt and he's pumping mm. on the crowd. And I'm super sure after that game, he tells the story that Mark Messier told him to stop it, knock it off, <laughs> be a clown. And that's kind of what Logan Stanley did. Man, what is he doing? Like, if you're going to, it's like a Halo reference. It's like teabagging when the game ends when you've lost. And you've just gotten that, like, you like you, you, you kill an enemy Spartan on the winning team and you go to teabag it, but then one of their teammates kills you because it's like, how dare you? You just lost an oddball. It's kind of like that. You know what I mean? I, have you guys ever played Overwatch? I've never played Overwatch. Okay. Um, there's a thing before where um, they actually banned it. If you try to put it in a chat, 
they will change it into like something like, oh, great game, fellas. And uh, that's great. Like great camar- um, camaraderie. And um, it was like GG easy. Yo, yeah, yeah, because it was, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, good game. For those of you who aren't video gamer, gamers out. So all the non-gamers out there, that means good game. It was really easy to beat you. Um, but yeah, I, I no. admit, I admit, looking at the Logan set, like, not at the actual game, but the photos that were taken after of it, doesn't it look, I think just because of his height as well, and just the way how stiff he is with his arms, doesn't it look like the, the YMCA? A bit. I didn't think of that, but like it's just the why. So, yeah. You know, how some teams have that like player of the game, little like the Rangers have a fedora in that. I, mm. I don't remember what the Jets did, but they I gave, I think Shifley gave it to Logan Stanley or something because he was their big player of the game. Yeah, it's like a, a like a like a pilot helmet. Oh, because they're Jets. Yeah, that's lame. I will admit the let's be responsible and have fun was really funny in the censor part of that video. I won't yeah. lie. Well, so you said Ty Dome, Mark Messier told Ty Domi to stop. Clearly no one on the Jets was telling Logan Stanley to stop. Now, Blake Wheeler's too busy telling everyone what to eat. No, that's it. Yeah. He was too focused on his 1,000th yeah. game? Yes. Yeah. Bufflin doesn't look good, by the way. They had the clip of Big Buff. Crowd went wild. Buff does not look great. He's tacked on some weight. Okay. But you brought his life. Exactly. You brought up Mark Seifley. You didn't even bring up the best part of that. I was going to let you do it. (laughs) (laughs) It just feels so good. Like, you know how everyone says that every team lives rent free in the Leafs head, right? You know, people say that, even though unless it's someone else, you're not allowed to use rent free, whatever. Um, Mark Shifley walked in to the dressing room and said, what day was it? It was December 3rd, right? Was it December Mm -hmm. 3rd? December 5th. I apologize. December 5th. He goes, is there anything better than beating the Leafs? No, because you couldn't beat Montreal. I, you know, what's really funny. I don't know if you saw this in the group chat, Daniel, but I told Alex, you know, what's better than beating the Leafs in December sweeping the jets in the playoffs yeah. or even like like if you want to beat the Leafs, beat them in the freaking playoffs that was pretty sweet you know it's better than that and uh, yeah it's like well shifley couldn't even enjoy that series because he was stuck at home because he's a loser <laughs> i hate i'm i'm guys it's good to know probably my disdain of mark shifley is not growing throughout the podcast oh, I don't so care he didn't make your team on. canada team right because he's not okay hold on <laughs> he's just not good enough yeah. Congratulations, you have six goals so far this year, and half of them are from one game. <laughs> nice. It's just amazing. Amazing that that's what he said. Like it just it felt so good. I, I I was it was just so funny. It was just so funny. You know, um that meme for uh man, we keep talking about memes and pop culture today. I love this. Um when uh Obi-Wan says you have done that yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's like basically Mark Shively just like, yeah, don't focus on the Leafs too much. Like, you know, it's all about team success. And then he says that. So when he's like, uh, when Anakin's like, you've turned Padme against, he's like, you've done that. You'll see. Yeah, it's just kind of like like living rent free in someone's mind. It's like, no, yeah, you just you just exposed yourself. Yeah. Is he not a little embarrassed? He said that about a team he will face twice in a year. And it's also December 8th and the playoffs are in May. It just reaffirms that it's like the Leafs are the evil empire. 
good. You know what I mean? That's fine. Like, yeah, I guess I can live with that. <laughs> like, okay, so everyone, okay, I, I use so many other sports references sometimes. It's just, it makes sense when it's the Mets and the Yankees. They don't play each other very much because they're in the National League and the American League, but it just makes makes sense based on geography. It just, for me, the whole Jets leaves thing, like, I, I don't I don't understand. Like, is it, because before it was, you know, Line A versus Matthews. Mm-hmm. Now it's just kind of like the big city versus. And I'm not okay. I'm not discounting Winnipeg, but I'm like oh. it's not as big of a city oh. as Toronto. Oh. Let's make this a preview, shall we? Oh, and send it saying? to uh, Nick Baldwin. You're about to trash Winnipeg, and it's no, no. I'm not. It's just like because I'm comparing, you know, maybe like other teams where it's just uh, like where's the hate coming from now. Like, aside from before this game. So here's the thing. They did, like, they had a few chippy games last year. Obviously, we all saw that clip Mm -hmm. uh, from All or Nothing. Where I like to verify I don't live in Toronto. So (laughs) technically, I'm talking about another city in this perspective. Daniel, stop defending you. (laughs) I'm I'm laughing because you mentioned All or Nothing, and I just remember the Nick Ehlers clip again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so there there was a few chippy games between them. But, like, they had good games before that season but like i i don't i don't think personally and and maybe i'm wrong but if the leafs beat the jets i don't know if john tavares is walking in or i don't know if uh jake muzzin or mitch marner austin matthews are walking into the locker room in a game in december and saying i can't is there anything better than beating the jets like i just i don't know if that's happening like you know what i mean (laughs) He's just it feels weird on the other, like yeah, the other side. Yeah, I don't know. The Jets were an afterthought for the Leafs for that after that game. It was all about the reps, right? Like no, like I, yeah. Oh, yeah, they weren't mad about being like probably losing. They were mad about like Sandine got hurt, but they're probably thinking of Pionk is a punk and that, and they probably put more put more effort into helping Spezzo with player safety than they probably did about so- checking the tape after that game. I, I sent you guys this tweet. I think I sent it to you too, Dan. Um, or yeah, I did. From earlier today where someone tweets, thinking of wearing a, my Pionk jersey to the Raptors game on Wednesday. No one who goes to the Raptors games, though, cares about Neil Pionk, let alone knows who Neil Pionk is. You know, after <laughs> game one against the Jets, um, a couple of guys in Montreal did that. They got a bunch of Shifley jerseys and just walked through the crowd in front of the Bell Center. They were just booed, but it's like, what compels you to do that? I mean, it would be, listen, it would be funny, but if you like at your own risk, my friend. I just, I don't think, I don't know how much of a cross pollination there is between Raptors fans and Leafs fans. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a lot of Van Vliet know who uh, Neo Pionk is. I don't think so. I I don't think so. And it's like, Okay, wear the jersey, man. Like I, I don't do whatever Dude, the hell you other want. Other NHL fans, like again, I'm not like saying like you know he's a great player, but when it comes to like you know marquee guys that a team markets, like I don't think you're gonna put Neil Pionk in like the top, the big three. You out wouldn't of the have Jets. him if Truba wanted to play in. The, in yeah, I, I want. I want to keep making fun of Winnipeg itself because I like Nick and I like Gavin, so I won't. I'm not making fun I mean? of them. We're not making fun of them. I know. It's it just, just I. I can't stand after the play. I just can't stand the Jets anymore. I don't like like I hate Blake Wheeler. 
I, I don't like how they treated Line A. I just I hate it. I hate that. I just think this funny. Like, I don't know. I'm just finding this funny. Right? Like I don't want to talk anymore because of Nick and Gavin. But I hate Blakely. <laughs> I don't like how they treated Patrick. I, okay, Line hold on, a. hold on, hold on. If Gavin and Nick, if you're listening to this, I am not making fun of the city of Winnipeg. I am making fun of your team because, and I mean this in the nicest way possible. I cannot stand them. I cannot stand Paul Maurice and not playing Nick Ehlers properly. Gavin, we've had a conversation about that. I feel bad because at the beginning of the year, I, I remember I told Nick, I'm like, yeah, the Jets are going to be great. And they started off really badly, but they're better now. But it's just, I don't like Shifley because of the playoffs. I don't, I can't stand it. I don't like Blake Wheeler. I don't know if he has a goal yet. It makes like $8 million. I hate it. And listen, like, and if anyone's listening and you're, you know, you're a Jets fan, you're like, God, what's wrong with you? you, you the Habs are bad. Yeah. And I have to deal with that pain every time I wake up and I realize they're playing that day. That day. Anyway, and then, you know, um, a side story we probably should have mentioned. Uh, Mitch Marner didn't play because he's out three to four weeks with a shoulder injury. Uh, I'm sure Jake Muzzin does not feel great about that. No, I'm sure he does not. Oh, uh, By the way, Blake Wheeler still does not have a goal. <laughs> How many games are we in? He's played 20 games. Oh, okay. I did oh, not okay. know that. He has 13 assists, though, I guess. I okay. don't know if that cool. makes up for it. I Gil just... Thornton could get away with that three years ago. Not... <laughs> what a leader. Yeah. Uh, le- Do you say what a leader? Yeah. Oh, okay. Just wanted to double you know who's good at scoring goals, even though he's been hurt this year? Patrick Warner. Awesome. Oh, really? How many goals does he have? I think he has three goals in nine games because he's been hurt. But oh wow, yeah, he has ten points in nine in nine games. Yeah, he was really good to start the year. He was yeah, it's just yeah. Columbus luck. It's just something to do. Well, and you know, Columbus are a defensive team. You know what I mean? It's I'm sure if he had stuck under the Jets system and you play him with Ehlers and whatever, and then everything goes right. But we know that doesn't happen. I would have. It sucks that obviously it was never going to happen, but. If the Jets had somehow made that deal without getting rid of Line A, and you could have seen like Line A and Dubois and like Ehlers, that'd be a pretty nasty line. And then, or Kyle Connor's just there. Kyle he just Connor. probably wouldn't have Cole Perfetti. Yeah. 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 Or just trade Shifley. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh my anyway. God. He's starting a battle. I just, I can't, he can, I'm not, I'm never, <laughs> there are some memories that you get in the playoffs. Like, I'm never yes. going to forgive Chris Kreider. Mark Shifley is forever in my bad books. Forever. Yeah. I just I don't like him. It's like and, me with Ryan Smith. Right? Oh, really? Why, why Ryan Smith? So in 2006, like, he just had, like, a ongoing, I guess, chatter with JSU gear. Oh. And that was the last Mighty Ducks team in the Western Conference Finals. And it's just kind of like he kept, because Jaguar, he plays, like, you know, he had like that really, I don't want to say severe, but that really like deep butterfly. Yeah. And Ryan Smith would always uh, crash the crease or he always like crowd it. And it's just, what are you doing? Just bullying. And then like he would like always like, you know, have a bit of dialogue with Jaguar. Well, I mean, J.S. Jaguar got the last laugh, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Well, I mean, like the next year he did because Ryan oh, Smith oh. never won a cup. Okay. Well, that's true. Yeah, exactly. You can't. I need you to speak up a bit because one of my ears is being plugged in my Stanley Cup rings. Anyway, and listen, the Columbus game. What can you say? It, it looked a little worry, a little wobbly at the end, but I think at one point the shots were like sixteen to four Toronto in the first. Yeah, I got a really good quote that sums up the game. Okay, this is from Sheldon Keefe. I didn't like much about the game in any period. It's really funny that since I said the Leafs were going to win the cup, 
they've been a bit wobbly, but we'll ignore that. Remember, it's the trend. It's uh, CJ, Pierre Lebrun, Pierre Lebrun, and then Adam. Yeah. No, I'm I'm a big. I'm not gonna. I want to get my. I'm gonna go try and find my standings predictions for this year, and just look at how awful I'm already off to start here. And there's a siren coming to arrest me because I'm just yes, I'm about the predictions. <laughs> From last night's game, there's literally only, I guess, one good thing. I Nick Ritchie. Point out. Oh, yeah. Nick Ritchie scored. Yeah. Let's make it two. Nick Ritchie scored a goal. Uh, that's number Boy. one. Number two, I just want to shout out Christian Rubens and Alex Steves for making their debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, uh, Rubens in particular, obviously, Steves was good too, but Rubens in particular because he was the first full-time newfoundland growler to make their debut for the leafs so i guess drafting and or developing works you know what i'm surprised from what and i really thought it was going to catch fire when i saw him get called up i thought steve dangled by steve's jersey (laughs) i I mean you know (laughs) he doesn't like paying for things though doesn't he no yeah it's like you adam like if you bought like a, a luke adam jersey I don't know who that is. He used to be on the. Uh, it was a real junior legend. He used oh. to be on the Sabers and the Blue Jackets. Gross. <laughs> Two teams growing up, I couldn't care less about. <laughs> I just, you know, what? From an early age, I just, I've always, the when I was a kid, I didn't care anything about Columbus because I hated their jersey logo, their jerseys and their logo. I was kind of like, what am I looking at here? I remember I, I used to always is either Columbus or the Wild. I always pick them for some reason in NHL and I played against friends because yeah. I either wanted to be Marion Gabrick or I wanted to be Rick Nash. Fair enough. Good players. Anyway, Rick Nash getting his, his uh, number retired eventually, right? That's happening. Yeah. Cool. All right. Montreal. I wanted one win this season. One. And that was Tampa coming into Montreal. I wanted it. I wanted it so badly. And you know what's so annoying? The Habs probably had their best performance of the year. And Corey goddamn Perry ties the game with two minutes left, and then Andre Palat gives them the lead with 37 seconds remaining. And I am so fed up with moral victory. You know, they need to lose. It's a tie race with the Coyotes, but I just... Just wanted this one. I wanted this one so badly. Because I... Listen, for those of you out there who are fans of teams that make it to the finals and they lose... You're never going to forget about the team that beat them. And I never want to lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning ever again. I am so sick of them. I can't stand them. I don't care that Montreal were missing half their roster. I think it's like $50 million worth of players. Because I don't think Port and Kucherov were playing, so who cares? Corey goddamn Perry. I'm so mad at Bershman. Thank goodness he's gone. You just didn't want to give him term, right? Or is it just Corey Perry wanted to win? He only gave him one year. Okay. He said the extra years in Tampa helped. Also, did you see that apparently after the game, Perry and Caulfield met up between the locker rooms? It was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I hate it so much. And I love that this podcast has become, uh, from when we started until now, well, I don't know where Alex is on this, actually. What's We all have embraced Corey Perry. I don't think Alex is close I to I mean, I think if Perry. Adam... The farthest from embracing I think if Corey Adam, Perry. I think, no Alex, offense. if you look back on all those Olympic times, then maybe. 
Alex, I mean, so Daniel, I went to the 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 winning game for World Cup of Hockey where Marshawn scored. Mm-hmm. And uh, listen, I think he got the winning goal. Yeah. I don't like Brad Marchand still. Mitch Marner could score a hat trick and win Canada the gold medal goal. I don't care about Mitch Marner still because he's a leaf. Okay, here here's another one. No, I don't care. Alex could look at the joy that Corey Perry has given my life since I was like what in elementary school, like grade one. Okay, that will that that will add a few percentage <laughs> okay. points of me getting closer to liking. And, and, and then Perry. I will remind you that I'm pretty sure that Corey Perry had the the series winning goal in Game Seven. I'm pretty sure it was him. Are you guys trying to make this the worst episode for me? Like, what's going on here? Why am I being attacked? What did I do? I'm just. What did I do to deserve this? Also, Matisse Norlander's in the AHL for a little bit. There were conflicting reports and language stuff about whether he wants to go back to Sweden. He should have been sent to Sweden. So, can we just figure that out? But apparently, the Habs will. Is he still young enough to go to the World Juniors? I don't think so. No. No. Okay. No. 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 What about Yan Mishek? Yeah. Oh, is he? Because uh, I haven't seen anything about the Czechs roster. Because otherwise, he would have been on it because he was captain. Cause, yeah, because I'm like thinking, like if he was already captain, usually like those are the guys that don't go and come well, back. I know um, Oliver Kapanen just or it's probably Olivia or some version of it. But um, Kapanen, the Habs Kapanen, was just named to uh, Finland, he, so that's pretty cool. He's 19. He will be 20 in June. Okay, oh. so it doesn't that make it? I don't know. He has like a lot, yeah, basically, if he already played. Yeah, Unless you're Chris Begres, which is a that's the, the one story I'll always remember. It's, it's the U20 tournament, right? Yeah, he made oh, yeah. the team in his first year of eligibility, and then he had a really bad training camp, and he's like one of the first players ever to make it to the Real Juniors the year before and not make it the second year. Oh, my God. That's brutal. Speaking so, of brutal. So Mishak is playing, right? He can play. I guess if he is, yeah. Unless like, what are unless the eligibility like, we're not releasing you. Yeah, okay. I guess. Okay. I don't know. I'd like sure. to know what's going. Maybe I missed it. Because remember, the ranges were like, even though we're not playing, Alexis Lafreniere is not being sent back. Yes, yes, that was something. Okay. Speaking of hot messes, the Vancouver Canucks, uh, they finally, they've done it. They've actually done it. Jim Benning is gone along with some assistant stuff, uh, and Travis Green is gone. Now, what's funny is, before all of these announcements were official, is Elliot Freeman tweeted that it seemed that Bruce Boudreaux would be the next coach of the Vancouver Canucks. That was before all the firings. The exact firings I'll read you to, uh, to you now. Jim Benning, the GM, uh, assistant GM, John Weisbrod, I'm definitely saying that wrong, head coach Travis Green, and assistant coach Nolan Baumgartner. Now, what's really funny as a part of this is Bruce Boudreaux is not coming uh, alone. Scott Walker's coming with him. So the emergency Team Canada has Spangler Cup coaching staff has just been slashed, and it's just poor Claude Julian by himself. It's weird. I thought I would be coming up here, and I'd be so excited to talk about Jim Benning, and I do have some snippets of Jim's career I'd like to read to you guys. But it was just... Maybe it's because I didn't have any personal ties to the Canucks like I obviously do when Bergman got fired, and then it was just hallelujah. But and we're gonna talk about Bergman in a second, you know we will. <laughs> but Jim Benning is gone. What are you guys gonna remember about Jim Benning's tenure as general manager of the Vancouver Canucks? Uh his crazy free agent signings, of course. Crazy is certainly a way of putting <laughs> I think 
I think Canucks fans would probably describe it as enraging. Yeah. Daniel. I think for me, it's just going to be the, uh, the highs and the lows of things where you, you assume as like, you know, I'm putting my shoes in a Canucks fan perspective that you are so happy of how things are going on where it comes to drafting here and there, but you know, for every pick, it's just, you know, listen, Jim, what's going on? Like, I know he redeemed himself with Quinn Hughes and with Elias Pedersen, but like you look back on the trajectory of a lot of these things, it's just like, wait, what are you actually doing? Because you're not tanking it when you should have, and you keep adding to this roster. So for me, it's just going to be confusion. I think about what he was trying to do. It was, I think a lot about Jim Benning. And first off, I'd like to thank him. He gave me many smiles as a hockey fan. Not as a Canucks fan, but as a hockey fan. The Oliver ekman Larson deal, of course. I hope Dylan Gunther is great for the Coyotes. Until they inevitably trade him because they're rebuilding for the third time. <laughs> Tyler Myers. Beagle. Louis Erickson, who I believe just played his 1,000th game. Against Dallas. Congrats. That's, oh, it was against Dallas, too. Eh? Yeah. That's full really, circle. That's really cool. Antron Roussel, of course, talked about that. Jay Beagle. Great stuff. There was so much about his term. I kind of love it. This was not the biggest thing for me, but it was just when I talk about confusion and not, confusion and not really know what he wanted to do, is always going to be when – he was drafting like crazy, acquiring all these picks. For example, like he traded Ryan Kessler and got a lot of picks, right? Mm-hmm. But then he started trading those picks. Like he traded one of the picks for like Derek Dorsett. And then the pick became Jared McCann. And then he traded Jared McCann for Eric Branson. So I'm like, okay, what do you like? You're trading guys that have all this value and you are getting solid, a solid return for them. But and like, where, what are you going for that? Like, for example, he was able to, Jason Garrison, he had a really bad contract with the Canucks and he managed to get a second round pick out of it from the Lightning. And then he traded that second round pick for Lyndon Vay, who could barely make it for the LA Kings. Jared McCann, by the way, who has 10 goals, 15 points and 20 games played for the Seattle Kraken. Do you know what it sounds like Jim Benning is doing? It sounds like he's making the decent move and then somehow managing to screw that up. He, um, you kind of know, like, like obviously everyone can throw one ball in the air. Everyone can probably throw two and then catch it with either hand. But when you try and juggle that third ball, it becomes a bit of a mess if you're not very coordinated. That was Jim Betting. He could, you know, say what you want about his trades, maybe not the great, you know, but he had a handling on drafting and developing. All right, fair enough. You know, he had a good staff. You know, he had um, it's, it's Ian Clark is the goaltending coach that's done wonders there. He had uh, the guy who went to Minnesota, who am I forgetting? Judd Brackett. Judd Brackett and all this, you know. he. But then slowly, once you throw in free agency and the money and losing time, he drops the staff. He loses Brackett and all that type of stuff. Oh, no, I've lost my my Again, at one time, Brandon Pridham obviously was part of that organization. No longer there. And there goes the caption Anigans. Oh, no, what's going on? And it was it's so annoying because we've talked so much about the similarities between Benning and Bergevin. Bergevin could never get the star talent, but it was great with complimentary players. Jim Benning has the stars, but it is he 
clearly can just doesn't know how to properly allocate money to a supporting cast and could never build one that was truly effective for the Canucks. Now, that's what I'm always going to remember him for is whoever gets his job is going to walk in and have Demko, Patterson, Hughes, right now, Horvat for another year, Miller, another year. You can work with that. You know what I mean? That's what's super frustrating. And we'll see, Boudreaux has only done one game for nothing. It was great, but there's almost a sense of, like, there's a chance with Vancouver and Boudreaux, which is really weird. But whoever comes into that job, there are worse situations to come into. Sure. You yeah. could be Pierre Dorian right now. Oh, sacre bleu. Well, yeah, bad work is not great. Like, yeah, yeah. Pierre Dorian, I would not want to be him at the moment. Like, Plus, I. The owner is not great. Right. Um, I just think with what they're left with is they're Steve Dangle put it best a few episodes ago on the SDP is that Vancouver has been accidentally bad for so many years. And it's just, I look at this roster and I don't understand necessarily how, especially this year. I look at Elias Pedersen. I look at Brock Besser. I look at Bo Horvat, JT Miller, Connor Garland. That is five out of six top spots. Mm-hmm. And then you go Quinn Hughes. And then you go Thatcher Demko. Like they're very top heavy. Yeah. So Jim Benning just didn't fix the D the way he thought he did. I think it's the next guy who's going to be there is really just have a you know concert concert effort to kind of solidify everything if that makes sense like when i think about that core excellent great you know complement it as best as you can but at the same time you know the guys who were not necessarily your 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 top guys but they were still pretty solid draft picks i think it's going to go down to that. It's like, how consistent are you going to make the pipeline that, you know, Niels Hoaglander, Vasily Polkolzin, they're already there. But those are two guys that I think that they really have to be careful with. Mm-hmm. And I'm also thinking of their defense and Jet Wu, someone that they were able to, you know, and this is what Jim Benning said that, you know, he was a steal in the second round. That's another piece that when I look at that defense is that when I want Quinn Hughes to succeed, you know, I want these other guys coming in long term. No, 100%. There's just... And there would be room. But there's always going to be that... Like if you ever want to trade like Tyler Myers, right, for example, to make room for maybe a young guy to eventually make the roster once he's ready, you can't scratch him because you take his value, for example. It's like, how do you move that contract? How do you move OEL? There's always going to be that sort of block there. And it was always, I think, Jim Benning's thing was to make... To sort of have that stopgap for younger players to develop is when he brought in the Beagles and Roussels. And it just didn't work because he gave them the wrong term and he just cleaned it up the complete wrong way, right? Something else I just kind of want to, in regards to all of this, the coach. I don't know anymore if Travis Green's a good coach. I, like, obviously, there is someone we can ask that, and we plan on doing that. I just look at the Canucks and even the problems with if, with their offense. For years, stuff like their rust chances and that have been awful with the personnel there. Yeah, Demko and Markstrom were great and they had some decent, you know, they had that run to the second round. They had, you know, that good regular season. I just, I just don't, I've never been so confused about 
is this coach good or not than right now and I'm with Travis Green? Because at the start of the year, if you would have said, man, Travis Green on the market, I'd say, yeah, man, let's do it. But now I'm like, I, I just don't know anymore. Because he he could have done somewhat better, I feel like. Sure, you know what sure. I mean? Like JT Miller saying, we don't know what to do at practice doesn't help. But we talked about, like, let's be careful about when we use the term losing the room. Pretty sure Travis Green lost the room. Yeah. He very much lost that room. And I don't know if it was directly his fault, though. I don't know if it was his fault that he lost the room because what happened was, you know, we walked into the season and I think including us, I think a lot of people had high expectations for Vancouver, you know, weak Pacific division. They can make a divisional spot. They started the season. Not great. Uh, Pressure on Benning, pressure on green pressure on ownership. And Once things started going downhill up top in management where, you know, all these rumors are leaking and the fan base is upset, that to me started leaking into the locker room too. Mm -hmm. And, And as soon as that happened, I think Travis Green lost the room, not because he did something in particular, but because the issues above him were now leaking down into the into the locker room and he how the hell is he supposed to clean this up i think yeah it's like the erosion of the foundation there where you continually try to build something on your on on ice performance but i really felt that when we look at management it's just it was never steady there it was sooner or later you're gonna figure it out that despite the talent that's there you're gonna you're, you're going to feel that like, you know, does management really have your back? Because I don't understand what they're doing. Fair enough. Management in the future, though. It is a little backwards how the Canucks have sort of made the decision. We're going to get the coach first. First off, in insider trading, Darren Dreger did mention that Lawrence Gilman, I mentioned him, the guy who helped write the cap, um, no. now with Toronto. Apparently right. his stock is rising across the league. It's the other way. Pridham, Pridham wrote the cap. Pridham? I'm dumb. Yeah, yeah. Lawrence Gilman. Lawrence Gilman anyway, was with the Canucks Pridham. before. Yeah. I knew that. I didn't. Okay. You know what I mean, though? Lawrence yeah, yeah. Gilman, anyway, an executive with Toronto, and uh, Dreger talking about how his stock is on the rise across the league, uh, highlighted Vancouver and Chicago of possible places he could go. And then Pierre Lebrun sort of sneakily mentioned maybe Mike Gillis could go back. Because the G, sorry, the Canucks are looking at more than just a GM. The possibility of a president has been sort of floated around there. I doubt that Gellis is going to end up being back there. That was just too much of a rocky road. But the real candidate that was reported here, and I, I, I can't believe this, is apparently Mark Bergevin. Now, apparently, Francesco Asco, Asco ah, not Asco, Aquilini. Uh, when asked about Mark Bergman and the job, he said, I think Mark just wants to take it easy for a little bit and said he has not reached out to Bergevin. I, I feel like that's a lie. <laughs> Couldn't you have just said, uh, you know what, well, we'll see every option. But instead, you know, and I don't know if I think he wants to take a second. That kind of tells me that you talked to him and he said, yeah. I need some time. Yeah, that is exactly what that means. Like, I don't know. How did you, do you just make this up on the spot? Um, Mark, we, we've had this discussion, but Mark Bergevin is an, uh, interesting 
pick here. I, I personally still don't see it as the fit that they think they need. Um, I think they know look something funny. Yeah. The Canucks are 9-15-2, and two, right? Mm-hmm. So they want the guy who built the Habs. Okay, the team that's 9-15-2, right? Yeah. They want the guy who built the Habs who are 6-18-3. Cool. Go on, Alex. Um, I just – I don't necessarily think he's the <laughs> – think that he's the candidate they think he is. I think they look at how uh, – this is my perception – the Aquilinis seem to be very involved with hockey and they'd admit that themselves. Right. I think they did in their press conference. Um, Mark Bergevin, not that Jeff Molson was a, I wouldn't say he's an active owner the same way the Aquilinis and the Eugene and Eugene Melnick is in the same way. But I think they look at how Mark Bergevin handled Jeff Molson in terms of they were friends essentially like i think mm-hmm. it's fair to call them that right adam they're friends yeah they were they were like in the fox all together he loved right. bergevin right so i feel like if they can get a if they think that they can be friends with mark bergevin that's their guy right like that's what they want they want someone who can spew the same thing that they want to be said and there's never going to be an issue like it kind of was in montreal for 10 years that's why that's not I have that was fear. Such a great... Oh, yeah. go ahead, Daniel. Sorry. No, just no, you can keep going the Vertanen thing. That Vertanen was such a great idea, and that worked out so well. Let's go get the guy who drafted Logan May. No, I'm okay. just, I get, I'm just saying, but it seems, it seems like that makes sense. That would be believable, right? That idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. why, like, I when I was watching the game, and I know that it was just one game, but it just, you know, let's curb the cheers. For now, Bruce because Barrett. we don't know where this is going to go. Like, I think that at this point, the way they clean house, they have all the potential in the world to create mm-hmm. something that's going to be amazing here. But when you see reports that, you know, Mark Bergevet is being, is, you know, being considered or that, you know, the Aquilini's and like you brought up a good point, Alex, where it's like, you know, they may, may want to bring in a guy that they're going to be very comfortable with someone that, you know, on a friendship level, it's going to be there. And I think that's why at this point, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. And I want Canuck fans to not be ahead of themselves either, because we don't know how this is going to unfold. Canucks fans getting ahead of themselves. No, no way. (laughs) You you are going at every Canadian fan base today. (laughs) I think they're going to make the playoffs. The Vancouver Canucks. I think they're going to go on a run. Are you trying to Bruce, jinx it? Here's the thing. Bruce Boudreaux instilled hope in me, and I don't like the Canucks. I just yeah. – I don't know what – that guy just – he's – I just think he's really cool. He's funny. He's a funny dude. I just – it's going to it's gonna work. I think he's exactly what they need though, right? Like we yep. – he, he's he's dealt with uh, highly offensive players, right? Like look at his time in Washington and who he was dealing with, uh, Backstrom and Ovechkin, Right. Prime example. I think I've heard of them. Yeah, I think I one might be close, might be on their way to breaking Gretzky's record or something. Um, <laughs> but I think you, the way his he play, he has his players play, and just his general attitude. I don't want to say he's a player friendly coach. Like I just I don't know if that's the term I would use. But I think 
switching from Travis Green, who was clearly, I, I don't think he enjoyed himself in Vancouver anymore, to going to a completely fresh face. Someone like Bruce Boudreaux, who's very positive and, and stuff like that, I think that will do wonders for the players. Um, along with the fact that they're playing, they're going towards a brand of hockey that I think really, really suits the young guys who are coming up. And guess what? You know what he has that he didn't have in like Minnesota, for example? What's that? A goaltender. That is true. Does not have the ghost of Devin Dubnik. And who would have been the backup goalie there, Daniel? Uh, Devin Dubnik. And <laughs> I don't even Didn't remember anymore. No, they traded him like pretty early on, like before he was the Darcy Kemper of two years ago. Yeah. No, nah, he's about yeah, no, not today because he's bad. <laughs> Injuries are a hell of a thing. But yeah, no, I think the Canucks are make it. Like they they are gonna make it like second last day of the season because that's just how it works. Even if they don't, I'm gonna say I, I my prediction is that they're I don't think they're gonna make it, but they're gonna have like a solid season where again, you know, it's all about the let's see how things unfold first. They're gonna have Okay, good enough. We could still keep working on this. Just some quick stuff here as I'm trying to uh, stall because I feel like I'm about to sneeze and just got to be like, no, don't let that happen. Okay, it's gone. Uh, shout out to the best e-bug I've ever seen in t- Tuka Rask. I guess he's <laughs> close to coming back. I guess so. Uh, not that their goaltending has been in hot by any means lately i guess i guess now bruins fans will finally have to understand the great goaltending they've been getting for years by tuka rask that i'll never understand the crap he's gotten i really really don't they were they're just they're just bullies to tuka rask in boston you would have thought that you would have thought that since he got traded from Toronto, where they also berate their goaltenders as well, uh, that he wouldn't have to deal with that. And yet he still has to deal with that in a different market. You know why? I think it's in Toronto. He was already overshadowed where I think Toronto, like not Toronto fans, everybody, but I think at just the time where there's like, but world juniors, Justin Pogge. Exactly. A lot of vacancies around the league looking at general managers, eh? Anaheim, yes. Chicago, Montreal, Vancouver. They all need GMs, eh? They do. The thing uh, with Anaheim, though, is they put in somebody that, you know, he would have been the GM on any other team. Yeah. I forgot his name. I apologize for that. But he's someone that he's the interim right now, and he was really like a candidate before he decided to go to Anaheim. He was on the Kings before. Uh, Jeff Solomon. There you go. Yeah. You know who you should name him GM because you should let Martin Madden Jr. spread his wings and fly to Montreal. <laughs> Absolutely. It's because you got to think of like where the Ducks are now. And it sounds like Eichel's playing sooner rather than later. My hot take about him making the Olympics could still come true, people. And you guys called me crazy. But. If you're going into Anaheim and you're taking that job, they ain't far off. And I mean, that play that Trevor Zegras made last night, <laughs> that was BDE. That's, that's a pop culture term I don't use too often, but that was that was some BDE from Trevor Zegras. That, um, there's a poll right now where they wanted to name the move, and the most votes right now is the Flying Z. That is really good. 
That's amazing. So, Daniel, you made a, you were telling us hot take that you think Trevor Zegras should go first overall in his draft, like if we're doing um, a redraft, right? Yeah. So I am I am not the first one that has mentioned this. I got this from a tweet from a statistician, actually, a hockey statistician. Okay. Shout out to Byron Bader. I hope I'm saying his name properly. Okay. But he mentioned, end quote, um, pretty safe to say Anaheim has got a real one in Trevor Zegras. He has had an immediate offensive impact in the NHL and is trending to become a star in the league. He'll regularly be involved in wild and zany scoring plays as well, end quote. So, yeah, like looking back on that draft, I think that's a very quality draft. Would you like me to read the current leading scorers from the draft? Yeah, sure. I know Zegers, he hasn't played a full season yet. He'll be there. It isn't. There's only like a round's worth of players who have played. But it, like to give context, Jack Hughes, pretty good player. Capo Caco's coming into his own. Kirby Doc, Hoglander, Zgrass is already uh, fifth in scoring. He's got 35 points in 49 games played. Dylan Cousins, Moritz Sider, Alex Newhook, Cole Caulfield, Bowen Byram, um, Toby Bjornfoot, uh, Kaliev, Pinto, Con McMichael, Tomasino, Pakulzin. That's pretty Holinola who just got called up. There's a lot. Yeah, this Norlander's up there too with his one point. Nice. Uh Nick Robertson's up that up there too with a point. Nice. Peyton Krebs is up there too. So yeah, so far it's in early pickings, it looks like a pretty decent draft. So okay, well we'll do here, right? Okay. Who would you rather have? Trevor Zegras or Cole Caulfield? Trevor Zegras. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> Love you, Cole. Jefferson I want. Drugs. I like. I like center. Well, you know, is he a center yet, or are they still developing Zgrass into a center? Um, they're playing. Well, they have. They're kind of forced to play him at center because Ryan Getzlaff is out. Ah, that makes sense. Okay, so but they're if he can pull it off, that's pretty great. Okay, would you rather have? Don't sneeze, Trevor Zgrass, or Capocacco. Trevor Zegras. Trevor Zegras. Would you rather have Trevor Zegras or Niels Hoglander? Trevor Zegras. Would you have Trevor Zegras or Jack Hughes? Trevor Zegras. I right now I'm going to say Trevor Zegras, but but I I want to put a stipulation on this. I want like I really want to see Jack Hughes what he does for the rest of the season because I okay. think he he had a really good start. Okay. okay here's my argument. Not not like disagreeing with Alex, but like this is my argument of why I think that I might be completely wrong at the end of the season, but I think Trevor Zegras is going to show a bit more of value based on how the roster is comprised of, because the Ducks have been kind of thinning out a bit more on center, right? Like Getzlaff and Henrik are not the same as they used to be. <laughs> and I think that there's a bit more of, I guess, protection on Jack Hughes part. Like, you know, if he's struggling at center, you're not going to keep playing him at center. Like you have Nico Hishier there. Um, they've had Pavel Zacha, play in the top six like he's actually coming to his own so i think the potential is there but i think whichever zgrass is just there's a lot of the young talent on the ducks but it's just that center depth is not at the same tier okay there i am i'll put him in top three personally hughes or zgrass right now i'm i'm personally putting hughes above him but i love this whole draft class of young american players they're so cocky and i love it Here's the guy I'm putting first, though. And that's Moritz Sider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ain't changing my mind on that. Because Moritz Sider, 
I think they say cold coffee. They're like, oh, Adam. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, first, okay, first off, here we go. Cole's top five. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yes. If yeah. they learn to use him properly. Yes. Why is he on the third line? Playing. I never understood that. I, I, Daniel, if I knew, I would love to mention it. He, Laurent Dauphin, his first goal, his first game in two, three years in the NHL, was playing more than Cole and Paling because. I don't know anymore with Dom. To appeal to the crowd, I think. It's to appeal to the uh, the fans. Crowd want wins. Okay. Anyway, but like Mort Sider's number one for me. Okay. Like he's just really good. Remember, he was a reach too at the time. Everyone was like, what's Eiserman doing? But then Detroit fans were like, it's Eiserman. Trust Exactly. Him. And yeah, learn. Trust Steve Eiserman. Tampa Bay fans were saying it's Steve Eiserman. I must okay, so like a hot take is my other hot take. Okay. Steve Eiserman's doing well in the first round with Detroit. Okay. But he never did well in the first round with the Lightning, but he did really well in the later rounds. I think you've made this point before. Yeah, because like for example, like he got Kucherov 58th overall, but who did he take in the first round? He took was it Vladislav Nemestikov yeah. or 2010? That was a loaded draft in the top 20 or so. Right. And he took Brett Conley sixth overall. Who are all players, but they're just not that level. Like you don't <laughs> think of it. Nemestikov, at least he knew when to trade high because <laughs> Nemestikov was part of the JT Miller McDonough deal. Right. So even if he didn't draft properly in the first round in those occasions, you don't win the cup without Ryan McDonough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, without Ryan McDonough. Okay, I know you love him, Adam. And I know it's worked out now, but Jonathan Drew ran third overall. Uh, okay, oh, hold on a minute. Okay, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold okay. on. I'm defending Jonathan Drew on here. Okay. Wait, wait. Barkov was second? He was second. So it was... McKinnon. McKinnon, Barkov, yeah. Yeah. Drew, Drew Jones... <laughs> Lindholm, Elias Lindholm, Lindholm yeah. Sean Monahan, yeah, Darnell, Darnell Nurse, Nurse, Rasmus Ristolainen, Bovorvat. That's a really good draft. Oh uh, no, yeah, that probably could have been better. Probably could have been better. But not to mention we, you got to remember. Okay, first off, you got to remember Druin's like best stretch as a player was that playoffs he had with Tampa Bay. Again, Druin is a complimentary player. If he had been on Tampa, I guarantee you he's having some point per game seasons. It's just oh for sure, and it looks better, but. Again, Daniel, back to my point here. <laughs> Sergachev. You got him. You traded Jerome for Sergachev. Okay. okay. Es- especially when Jerome was like, I want out. And they're like, okay. And then they got Sergachev, and you don't win two Stanley Cups without Mikhail Sergachev. So those two, those two first round picks, for example, that were complete, but got you two of your most important defensemen. Okay, okay. And again, I'm saying, not, no, no, just I'm talking yeah. about the drafting in the first round, not no, the No, no, but yeah, yeah. you know, you're right. Yeah, no, there's you, but don't. Okay, hold. Jonathan Drouin is ten times more talented than Brett Connolly. How dare you? Okay, I'm just, I'm Drouin. just comparing the the past first round picks in that stretch. Okay, okay. Robin Leonard opts out of Team Sweden. <laughs> um, <laughs> since his own, we're not. <laughs> Sorry, just I was thinking 2012. That's that's the one mistake I had with Steve Eiserman because he took um, Andre Vasilevsky over Malcolm Subban in that draft. Now, what's really funny about that is Detroit traded that pick, did they not? Yeah, for Kyle Quincy. Kyle Quincy. That was Ken Holland when he. That was when they were like, you know, barely making the playoffs. Like, but we need these guys. Yeah. So 
Anyway, moving on. There's a bit of concern. Some players are weighing their options in regards to withdrawing from the Olympics. Robin Leonard has done it, but he's done it for mental health reasons. And I think that whole, they're waiting for the exact rules when it comes to quarantining and that. Also doesn't help that at this moment, Canada today, not like Team Canada, like the athletes themselves, but uh, Justin Trudeau came out to was like, yeah, Canada, we want to boycott the Olympics. And they've joined the States and that sort of whole thing. Yeah, and it's just it's, not looking the good. Diplo- the, uh, sorry, the diplomatic boycott. Yeah, because everyone. No, no offense. I get it. Like tennis have handled it in its own way, and the players and everything that's gone on there. But no offense. No one cares about the diplomatic part of the Olympics. No, no one does. I except care less. Except China. Oh yeah, the only ones who are upset. There's going to be repercussions. They're the only ones who are up. They're the only ones who are upset. I don't. Also, whatever. It's for me. It's just kind of like. Because we talked about it last week where we wanted to see what the updates would be like for the Olympics in terms of preparation. And for me, this is just another thing where it's just, okay, it may not affect things right now in terms of the athletic side of it, but it is another step in, you know, giving another reason why they shouldn't go. Yeah, Yeah, no, I I agree. I just, I don't think any country is actually going to do that not that like i don't agree with it i just i just don't think that any country is going to do that unfortunately like they should have been handed the games whatever that's a separate issue should have been handed the games in McDavid, the first place but not even mcdavid stamkos is never going to make an olympic team poor guy and he's having such a great year he was he's so fun. close yeah. yeah he was he was <laughs> Shout out to the fact, um, oh yeah, the Flyers fired their coach. Oh yeah, we should talk about that. Uh, Alan Vigneault is gone, and with him is assistant coach Michelle Terrian. Which makes him open for the job in Montreal. Woo! He's coming back. It's I, like the, This would be the third time he would come back, right? Uh, it's second or third. Because, oh. uh, no, he was with them, and they got fired, and then Pittsburgh, and then he came back. Oh, Michelle Terrian. Yeah. And Vino. No, I meant um, Michelle no, Terrian. It would be Vino's second time and it would be Terrian's third, but I don't think Michelle Terrian's going to be hired. How <laughs> they ask for like Vino and Terrian are candidates and I turned oh it off. My God. They could both come back at the same time. No, they can't. <laughs> uh, don't, don't do that. That would be actual chaos. Yeah, yeah. And I'd probably stop watching for a little bit. So. I predicted this in the summer where I said that the way the Flyers were spending like crazy was it's going to go really well, like how they had their stretch last year, Mm -hmm. or it's just going to not work out and just be blah. We can't defend. Let's get injury prone Ryan Ellis, Keith Yandel, and Rasmus Ristolainen. You know what? What's funny? So Mike Yo is the interim head coach. He might get the full year. Mike Yo, the guy was like, "I'm gonna get fired in St. Louis," and he did. Here's what's really funny: is there for I I made an effort to watch their first game. I like do I, I like watching bad teams for some reason. So I watched so much Vancouver this year. It's hilarious. So here's what's really funny, right? Is I was like, they're gonna play really well, and I saw Martin Jones was starting. Like, okay. It was against Colorado, so you knew at least there'd be some high scoring because all Colorado's injuries or their goalies are all hurt. The Flyers got pumped for 50 shots, and they lost the game. Now, is it me, 
And I keep, I keep at the beginning of the year thinking the Flyers are going to do it. But are the Flyers, does it not feel like them as an organization and their team is is past the, like what, what was it? They're SB4. past the best buy date. They're expired, the Flyers. Like they're just, it is the thing of, I don't know what exactly I'm supposed to expect from the Flyers anymore. And it's the thing of they're almost changing deck chairs around the Titanic. Like, it's is it time to seriously rebuild in Philly? A.K.A. Giroux, you're out of here. Couturier, he's going to get big extensions, so probably not, but you know, he can be the one guy you keep around him in Provorov. But. Well, then, no, because you got Ryan Ellis. Okay, never mind. Maybe you can't rebuild in Philadelphia. You, you can't. I, 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 uh, I, two more years left. Yeah, yeah you, you can take that. Um, uh, for me, I look at this team and I go back and I say, well, what did they do a lot? Like, what was their issue last year? And it was defending. Uh, and Chuck Fletcher went out and said, okay, let's fix this. He trades yeah. pennies on the dollar for Ryan Ellis, which at the time, I that thought was, was a yeah. good move. Um, they... Bring in Keith Yandel, who, no offense, can't play defense great. Like, he's a great power play specialist. Um, he can stay in your lineup. And, yeah, he can stay in your lineup. And he trades a first-round pick, which I think was 14th overall, for Rasmus Ristolainen on a year left. And Robert Haig. And he brought in Robert Haig in the Brian Ellis. The actual team. defensive defenseman. Right. No, he, he got rid of Haig as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. In the trade, traded yeah. away Robert Hay. Sorry. So I, I think he kind of threw Alan Vino under the bus a little bit. I think he, and he kind of threw Carter Hart under the bus a little bit too. Like the the kid's twenty three years old, man. Like, yes, he had a really good breakthrough season a few years ago, and obviously, there's been last year he struggled a little bit, but. Mark uh, Carter Hart looked best when there was a at least a semi decent defense in front of him, and I don't think they have that. So, a lot of puck movers. So here's a big problem, right? Sorry, before I give it back to you, Daniel. So yeah, it was Robert Hegg who went to Buffalo in the Ristolainen deal, and Philip Myers as well. Yes, went to Nashville in the Ellis deal. Hey boy. <laughs> Those are all minute munching, like at least like trustworthy, stay at home, tough, grindy defensemen. Right. What I just find it funny is that um, comparing when you mentioned the Habs, Adam, the amount of guys that are like offensive defensemen who just, you know, get out of their own zone with the puck. How many guys the Flyers hoarded? Can we, can we do like an exchange? Can we just be like, hey, we send like Sherratt and, and like, Savarin and you send over like maybe not Bristol Myers, but you know, can we just like well, you need some of what I have? I need some of what you have. Man, you know who's having a really good year in Arizona? Points was Shane Goss's Shane Goss's yeah. bear. The ghost bear. But no, it's um oh it, it is, right? Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Um Is he like the top scorer? Shane Goss's bear? I wouldn't be surprised. I well, will, last time we checked, he was, but that was a while ago. Uh, I will go double check in one 
quick second. Yeah, I can't but find them. For me, like essentially, when you mentioned that, Adam, that what the Flyers are, I think this has been a long time coming with the way they've been building their core since I'll, I'll say 2012, you know, the post Mike Richards, Jeff Carter era, where they never actually went into a full fledged rebuild. They just had a couple bad years, but every year they just kept putting things on top of, of what they deemed their core and try to make a run. And there wasn't really much, you know, rebuild or even sometimes on the fly. It's just like, we just, kept adding, kept spending money here and there. And we really thought that that was a Paul Holmgren thing, but I'm really finding now that whatever GM they put in there, it just, they just keep spending and not trying to really add anything there. Um, just to answer your question, Daniel, uh, Clayton Keller and Shane Gostisby are tied for 17 points. Um, are the Philadelphia Flyers vancouver canucks of the east like and... i don't, I don't want to throw them under the bus like that but okay here just hear me out for a second let me i'll make my point okay. they got a really good goaltender yeah right carter hart thatcher demko yep. um their forward core i'd say i mean we'll talk about the depth in vancouver but i look at uh um i look at philadelphia claude Giroux will argue is five on five. He's good on the power play. Kevin Hayes is a decent player. Uh, JVR. I mean, what? Okay. Travis Konechny. I'd say he's pretty good. Uh, Sean Couturier is a hell of a shutdown defenseman. And then you got the depth guys, Scott Lawton, Oscar Lindblom, uh, Joel Farabee. And then you got the younger guys coming up in a guy like, say like Morgan Frost, where the similarities become dire is defense mm-hmm. they both teams don't really have fantastic defense course it's first off my mic is no longer working cool um clockwork bingo so i think that's fair but i feel like you can maybe not alice um but i feel like you could clean up everything in philly a lot better compared to the defense in Vancouver. Hundred uh, percent. But the the big thing is who is going to be Claude Giroux's replacement? Because I think that guy need. I mean, I'm being too cynical of Claude Giroux here, but does it not just feel like that relationship is over? Does it not feel like maybe it's a bit stale? New breath in the room. Maybe go make a big deal and try and get like a hurdle or something. I don't know. Yeah, uh, is Giroux still playing center for them? I doubt I think it. he's I mean, off, right? Because it's Konechny right. and Couturier, right? I, I'd like to throw this proposition uh, into the mix. Vladimir Tarasenko. That seems like a Philly guy to get because why not spend the money? <laughs> why not get the money? I think that could work. Yeah. You know, got lots of skill, good shot. He's having a he's cooled down a bit from the start of the year, but he's still like he's still looking more like he previous Tarasenko than not. Uh, Giroux is currently playing center for the island, uh, for the Flyers. Sorry, uh, uh, uh. he's been back and forth for years now. So, here's what the Flyers should do, though I think they should move, make some money moves, let Claude Giroux go. Bring in Nazem Kadri and trade for Vladimir Tarasenko. Trade him for a first in Benchurat. 
And then, we'll figure out how to fix the D another time. And then, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just don't worry about it. No, but yeah, you can out still sucks in his own zone. Okay. Looking forward. I won't, Philly, we kind of talked about it there. Uh, we won't talk about what coach could be fired next, honestly, because I think it's pretty quiet around the league. Maybe it's Stu Sharman this summer. Who knows? But, uh, I can see that. Yeah, maybe he'll be next. Uh, Jujar Kyra apparently is, um, I think he's out, he got released from hospital. They expect him to make a full recovery, so that's really good. Uh, but no timeline on when he plans on returning. Uh, Board of Governors is coming up. I can't find the exact date, but apparently it's in Florida again. And uh, it's been also reported on Insider Trading that Sheldon Kennedy is not going. But there was some good discussions with Ken Davis, who will be there. And obviously, Sheldon Kennedy is, I think... Going back to what happened with Kyle Beach and that, you gotta think the like everything to do with that, and sort of maybe how the league can improve upon being there for its players and that. You can imagine is going to be at the forefront. Yeah. Something else I've just thought of here: how much longer till we know what's going on with the PA's investigation? Just not sure. I'm not in entirely sure like well, i mean we're still waiting for the double ahf investigation so you we know how hockey works um we're yeah. gonna be here for a while not a great start for the new guy in the double ahf no no um but the i'm all for giving credit where credit is due and i think it's great that the nhl is talking to sheldon kennedy yeah. but at the same time i think it's at least fair to be a little skeptical about their follow-through because we've had this before um so as long as they're willing to follow through with something anything i think that's like i i'm a little skeptical of that if i'm being honest myself i just think it's i think that's fair okay where else can we look here two more things the coyotes are not for sale Okay, guys, they're not going to Houston. They've denied all the reports about it. Though, let's be honest here. We'll, we'll quickly go here because we are running rather long. The Coyotes are not going anywhere. I don't believe it. And unfortunately for their fans, this comes with the – if you had to like have the identity of a fan base, right? Yeah. I think it's just constant worry for Coyotes fans because we still don't know where they're playing next year. Freeman speculated maybe different places throughout Arizona, or um, Phoenix is the state, so I would mean technically. Arizona's the state. Arizona's the state. Phoenix is the capital. Oh. Or no, it was Tucson is the capital, right? What? And then Phoenix is the biggest city. You know what I hate about the states? I don't know. How they have That's the most crazy. random places. Like, first of all, why do you need 50 states? Why? All different questions. rules, laws. It's dumb. Uh, One thing I'd like to say about the Coyotes is that every time there's these big like, have you noticed every time there's these big things going on with them? Like, I feel like their PR is like, but wait, we brought the Kachina jersey back. And then when it's like, we don't have a home arena, what are we going to do? We brought back the Kachina jersey in white. And now they're going to bring back another version of the Kachina jersey. <laughs> guys, but guys. And yeah, and instead of the, the desert, it's Tempe in the background. I, like, yeah. I, yeah. No, I, I have a theory on this, but this is pure speculation. Okay. My, my guess is, so it, all it said is I was in potential NHL investor, right? I believe the source that was quoted. I have a gut feeling that it was leaked to the public 
and they just wanted to at least test the waters and see what people would think about moving the team to Houston because they're having trouble finding somewhere to play next year. And then everyone was like, Quebec City and the league were like, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Ignore you saw this. <laughs> exactly. Do, do, do. Okay. Um, that's it. We'll finish off here. Um, I know we never talked about Nashville's jersey, but they're awful and they should be ashamed of themselves. Thank you for listening. Bit of an abrupt end, but it's okay. We'll see you. Uh, we're figuring that out still, right? No, we should be good for Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Right. Good. This was fun, guys. A lot yeah. of meme-like pop culture references, so we, it's great. We also, and we didn't bash any city whatsoever. We just gave observations. Absolutely not. Um, we alienated half of Canada today. We did. We also have a guest coming um, for the, the 15th. 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 Yes, 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 yes. Um, I'm not going to say who it is, but it's a returning guest. Hopefully it goes a bit smoother than... <laughs> Than uh, than uh, than than it was trying to get other people on, <laughs> um, but uh, it should be fun, and we are going to be talking about the F one season because by the time Wednesday rolls around, the finale will have happened. Quick predictions: Who's winning, Max or Lewis? Daniel. Max. I hate you, Lewis, Alex. Daniel Lewis. or Lewis? Good, you're my friend, and I say Lewis because I hate Red Bull. Thank you for listening. Check out all of us on social medias and everything we are. Same with the show, TikTok, Twitter, all that. Daniel Stuffer, CJRU, my YouTube channel, Alex's blog. We will see you Sunday. Go, Lewis.